You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. Finding your dream customers and bringing them back to your blog and products regularly often feels like one of the biggest challenges we face as bloggers. We start to wonder how we can be everywhere all the time so we can reach more people, and we question our tactics and abilities to actually find those paying customers. And Allison Marshall knows all about that. Allison has been running her own business full-time for six-plus years and blogging for 10 She's done everything from blogging to photographing weddings to starting her own Etsy shop. Allison is passionate about helping others to create a profitable business that they love in a fun, colorful way at wonderlast.com. And she loves to laugh. In this conversation, Allison tells us the three big tips she has for dealing with the fear of change, how to attract your ideal audience to your blog, and how she reuses her webinar content so it doesn't go to waste. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com slash reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Now let's find out how Allison Marshall achieved her reach. Hey, Allison, thanks for being on the Reach podcast. Yay, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited to introduce you to the Reach listeners and and share more about Allison Marshall and Wonderlass and everything that you do. Um, And I, I followed you for a little while now and kept up with what you do, mostly because I'm a fellow introvert. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, and I, I love your messaging around um, being an introverted business owner, because it's something that Tara Gentile and I talked about on on the Reach podcast recently that um, she believes that introverts were made to be business owners. Um, So I would love it if you could do what I ask everyone on this show to do and go back to the beginning of starting your business and um, how you got started, what what you were doing when you first started, because it's always fascinating to see what you were doing when you first started, like what the original dream was was and then what what the the successful dream is today okay yeah so I'll try and make it like as simple as possible without diving back to like my birth or anything but so (laughs) so ultimately I will say that when I was 16 I got my very first job I was working at Steak and Shake I was a waitress and I remember the very first day that I showed up I had massive I had like an anxiety attack because I could not handle the thought of someone else controlling my schedule when I looked at the schedule that first day. And so right then and there, I was like, all right, I'm going to own my own business one day. Like I have to be in charge of my schedule. (laughs) So that was when the seed was planted. Then fast forward a few years, I went to college and got a degree. And I actually moved to California after that to pursue film, which is hilarious. So I was living in Hollywood for five years. And when I was out there is actually when I kind of started my business because I really needed the money because it's so expensive out there. I was like, I was like, this is the perfect time to start a business because I need money. So hilariously, I actually started off by trying to do a wedding planning business. I was, (laughs) I like loved weddings and planning events and stuff. So I started my first website, all of that, planned my first wedding, hated it. So I was like, well, dang it, that didn't work out. So 
another year or two went by and I actually was like one day it was like the clouds just opened up. I actually had gotten married in 2009 and I connected really well with our wedding photographers and I had always loved weddings. I'd always loved photography. And I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I could be a wedding photographer because it makes perfect sense. And it was just like something hit me. So I, I got my camera that month. I put up a website. I put up a Facebook page. I booked my first clients on Facebook. I had no portfolio. And so that kind of, I actually hit the ground running full time with that business. Like instantly I ended up moving back to Kansas city, which is where I am now. And I was working that job full time immediately, which was awesome. But over the years of doing the wedding photography business, which I did enjoy, I really fell in love with the two things. I fell in love with the business side. Like I found myself on the computer all the time, just like reading blog posts about business and researching business and tweaking my website and playing around with social. So I was like really in love with that. And then I also fell in love with the fact that I did not dread going to work to every day. Like I was used to dreading work all the time, like going to bed and be like, Oh, I have to work in the morning and waking up. Oh, I have to work. And then like, you're just constantly in a state of dread when you hate your job. And so I was like, wow, it's like so cool to be able to wake up every day and not hate going to work. I want other people to have this. So I, I also became really passionate about helping other people. And so that's kind of how it morphed. And then in 2013, after doing weddings, I was like, for three years, four years, I was like, man, I was like, I kind of want to do something else. I just don't really know what. And that's when I kind of started dabbling with like writing blog posts about business. It was just kind of, my blog was all over the place back then. I was doing weddings and DIY and <laughs> even though I'm horrible at it and recipes and then like throwing in some business stuff. And then I did that for about a year. It didn't really happen. And then 2014 started posting more about business. And then finally at the beginning of last year, I was like, okay, I was like, I can't be all over the place. I, I don't have time for this anymore. Like I need to focus. And so that's when I decided I'm really passionate about business and that's what I want to do. I want to help other people. So that's kind of when I went all in, I rebranded and was like, I am just focusing on helping other people with their blogs, with their businesses. And that's where I am today in a nutshell. <laughs> that's amazing. Was there like a transition time between being the wedding photographer and doing more of the business coaching and um, building courses and things like that? Yeah, that's been this whole year. Because like weddings book... I was booking weddings like a year and a half in advance. So like, you know, so like I knew that I wanted last year towards the end of 2014, definitely by January 2015, I was like, this is what I want to do. I definitely want to transition into like the business side and helping and like working online and all that. But I still had weddings booked out. Like I actually still have three weddings left this year and then I'm technically done with them. But so this whole past year has kind of still just been a transition. Like I'm finishing off the weddings that I booked and all of that. So it's been crazy and busy, but really, really good. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. Lots of coffee and <laughs> lot less sleep. <laughs> but it seems like there, it's not like you went from one thing to another as like randomly. I mean, you chose, no. you chose wedding planning because the weddings were interesting. You just maybe picked out like the wrong avenue to go about them and then found photography right. and through that found this love of running a business yes. and, and were able to bring that to your blog too. Yeah, they're all connected. And I actually started my first blog back in 2000 and 
six, when I, when I very first moved out to California, so I've technically been blogging for 10 years. I started my first blog as like a online diary to like keep in touch with Mm -hmm. family and stuff. So, so yeah, I had been blogging all that time as well. So that's during that time, I also fell in love with blogging. So I was like, I need to find a way to put the business and the blogging together because I really like, I'm obsessed with both of them. <laughs> yeah. And so what has that transition the past year or so been like? Because I feel like this happens for a lot of bloggers is that you have a, a, a job. I mean, really, wedding photography was like your day job. Right. And then building Wonderlast was your side hustle, kind of. Yeah. And now those are definitely flipped flipping in their roles yes yes but can you talk about some of the challenges or or struggles if there have been any because I know this comes up for so many bloggers oh my gosh so many struggles okay (laughs) (laughs) well there have been so I mean for one time like there's just and I have been working a lot, you know, I put in a lot of like 12 hour days because, you know, I spend all day editing and working on like the photography stuff. But then at the end of the day, I'm still working on the whole blogging business side. So this past year, it's been a lot of long days, but and it's some of the struggles that I would say I'm probably not alone in is like, it's kind of, it's pretty scary. Like, I'm a confident person. And I am the type of person where I'm like, when I want something you know, I'm going to make it happen. Like when I decided I was going to make this whole blogging business thing work out, I was like, it's going to happen. But even then I go through tons of just like, you know, days where you wake up and you just feel like totally scared or doubtful or fearful or, Oh, I'm not good enough. Or, Oh, there's other people out there already doing this. They don't need me or, you know, whatever. So I would say actually that is probably one of the biggest struggles over last year because it's scary And you have to constantly wade through these like negative feelings of like doubt or just, oh, I'm not going to make it or, oh, there's other people who are better. So I would say that's one of the biggest struggles that I've had to just be like, I have to just push it aside. You have to be like, all right, that's how I feel. Cool. All right. Now it's not going to stop me though. I have to just put it aside and, you know, move forward. So that's been one of the struggles. And then time, of course, as I said, um, it's probably been the other one. It's just like, I I have so much I want to do. And I'm like a really type A, like, oh, I have to do this by this. And I have to do this by that point. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself, probably more than I need. But yeah, <laughs> I think I think many of us do that. That fear that piece is that's something that stops a lot of people right in their tracks. Yes, um, yes. And and I think that, you know, we say that we're afraid of, oh, somebody else is doing it or is anybody going to actually listen to me or anything like that. But I have a feeling and, and I wonder if this is something that you've experienced over the, the last several months. But my hunch is that the, it's actually a fear of change um, that we're all like – Humans love routine. We love to like have the same thing over and over again. You know, it's why we have like Indian food every Friday night or whatever our little <laughs> yeah, routine is, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And and we build those into our days. We wake up and make a cup of coffee, and and those little routines are what get yep. us through. And when you do something new, whether it's a side hustle or like stopping a business entirely and starting something new, there's change there. And right. um, so, how did you? You said you know you kind of push it aside, but do you have some 
some things that you did to like to did you do some self talk did you do <laughs> yeah. lots of yoga what did you how do you yes. get through those the the fear of change okay well the first thing I do is like I don't try to ignore the fact that I am indeed feeling like whatever negative emotion it is like I take a moment and like all right this is how I feel like I just let myself feel it for a second. And then another thing that I do is I'm, I love to go over worst case scenarios. Like I find this helps a lot of like in life in general, if I'm fearful of something or nervous about something or whatever it is, I like to put out the worst case scenario. Like, okay, this thing that I'm doing, what is the worst case scenario that could happen? If let's say, let's just say with the blogging business thing, like what if I don't make it by X time frame, I'm not ma- you know, doing this. What's the worst case scenario that would happen? And it's usually not that bad. It's, but I find that when I put out the worst case scenario and then come up with a solution, if that were to happen, then that helps alleviate a lot of fear. Cause I've already dealt with, okay, the worst thing that could happen, I've already dealt with it in my mind. Like it's already happened. I have a solution for it. So for me, that's one of, that's probably one of my biggest things is just like knowing that if the worst case scenario happens, I'm prepared. So that's a big thing. And then another thing is just like a support system. I know it sounds a little cheesy, but whether it's a people online or it's friends or it's family, like having people there for when you are feeling like, oh, alone or scared or whatever, giving me, if you need a kick in the pants, like I've had people over the last year who know what I'm doing. I've told them, I've I've straight up told them, look, I'm going to be really busy and I'm probably going to have moments where I have like a mental breakdown, maybe. (laughs) I don't know, you know, but they are there for me and they're like, you got to keep your eye on the goal and they're there to support me and tell me like, you know, so that's been really good. So I would say a support system, Um, but it is a big mindset thing. So I don't know. I kind of just gave you five different answers. No, that's good. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's great to have kind of like a set of tools to pull out when you run into that. So you mentioned the support system um, and you run a Facebook group that is essentially that that support system for a lot of business owners. Is it like almost 5,000 members now? Yeah, it's that almost, which is crazy because of course when I started... Can I just say I was terrified about starting a Facebook yeah, group? Yeah, let's talk about that because, <laughs> um, you know, Facebook groups, Slack groups, whatever, whatever kind of whether it's a private forum on your website, those kinds of groups. I mean, Josh and Jill Stanton mentioned in their episode how impactful their free Facebook group has been for their business. These groups are great places to to get that support and to to establish your authority as a leader in in a particular area. So can you talk a little bit about what that group has done for your business? It's been yeah, it's been so once I got over the fear of starting it cuz of course I was af- I was like no one's going to want to join. Uh, again, you have to push past the fear cuz we all have it. So I started the group, but it's been really great for one it was a great starting point cuz I I started doing the courses this year and so looking in my group is all all of the people who I am creating stuff for. And so I can just go in every day and literally see what people need help with or what they want or what they're struggling with or whatever. I'm able to go in and I don't have to guess what type of things that I want to make, whether it's a blog post or a course or anything like that. I don't have to guess what people need. I know what people need because they're saying it every day in my group, like what they need help with or whatever. So that has been a huge thing because it's kind of been the group has really, and there are other places you can look, of course, online, but the group for me 
has been a really big source of inspiration for all of the content that I've created this year because I'm looking at what people in the group need and then I'm creating it and making it and giving it to them. So that's been, I mean, that's been big impact. Yeah, that <laughs> ability to listen is huge. And you also have to lead a group when you're you're in charge of it. So what have you found that has worked really well in leading a group, especially when it's, I mean, it's a free group. It's taking a chunk of your time and you aren't really seeing, I mean, yeah, you're not seeing dollars back immediately within within the group, but you definitely do in the long run, I think. So what's, how have you managed leading the group in, in conjunction with writing on your blog, building your courses? I mean, that's, I think that that's another fear that comes up when we talk about doing things for free, because it's like, well, I'm already writing on my blog three days a week. And, you know, I put out all this free content, why should I create a group? And, and how do I devote time to that? So one thing that's helped me is I'm, well, I'm a huge believer in batch scheduling and batch working. And so one thing that I do with my group is there's a day at the beginning of every month where I will literally schedule out all of my social media posts. I use Hootsuite for that, but there's other platforms too, obviously. So I will literally schedule out. So I have posts that I do every day in the group or not every day, but like four times a week, um, just to kind of keep the flow of the group going like prompts. And so I will pre-schedule all those in one day. So in one day, I've got posts for the entire month that are going to go up in that group automatically. So I don't have to think about it. It's off my mind. And then another thing that I do is I just make a note to my... like Every day I have a to-do list and I set a time limit for the group. Usually it's about 15 minutes and I will just log in for 15 minutes, answer questions, help people, whatever it is, post something, and then I go out. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to, and you can log in more than that, but it's very easy to just feel like you need to be in there all day. No, 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 no. You don't need to be in there all day. But I think it's really important to like set little time chunks. Like, okay, I'm going to really hone in there for 15 minutes and then you know, I'll log back in tomorrow. And you can get a lot done in 15 minutes when you're focused. You can answer a lot of questions and <laughs> answer a lot of comments and stuff in 15 minutes. So those are the two things that I do with my group that I really find helpful. And then another thing I'm doing, which I'm actually planning on starting after next week, because I'm going on vacation next week, I won't be there, but I'm going to be start doing like live office hours. So I'm going to log in every, I think probably Thursday and do a Facebook live and have that posted. And so Routine is good in groups. People like people like routine, as we were just talking about. So having things that people can look forward to to kind of keep the group moving while not, you know, spending all day in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good. And those live moments are becoming more and more popular too, whether it's, yes, um, so you know, fun. like private webinars hosted for pe members of the group, or if it's, if it's a Facebook group, it's really easy to do Facebook live. That's been huge. And I know that webinars are your jam. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So, funny. <laughs> so I'd, I'd love for you to talk about what impact video in general has had on your business. Oh, it's big. So, okay. I, I've, I've written this already before on my blog, but literally this time last year, I like I had been attending some webinars of other people, but I had never done one. And I was totally horrified at the idea. I, I, I literally was like, I am never going to do one ever for many reasons. Like I, I was like, I don't want to like broadcast. I don't know how, and people are going to show up. And like, if, if I, and then I would go to webinars where people would sell stuff and I'd be like, heck no, I'm not going to no, no, no. Like I would just start sweating thinking about it. So 
basically a year ago, I was convinced I would never, ever, ever, ever do one. So it's funny that I like love them now. But basically earlier this year, I was like, I kept hearing about how awesome video was and how great webinars were. And I was like, I can't, I cannot as a creative entrepreneur keep ignoring them. I have to at least try one and see how it works out. And then I can decide if I want to like ditch them or not. So I basically forced myself to do one and I just put it on the calendar and all of that. I just put it on and I, the night before, I literally felt like I was going to vomit. I was so nervous and I did it. And the second I hit the broadcast button, it was just so much fun. And so I like instantly felt, I fell in love with like video and webinars And they've had a really big impact in a a lot of ways, like income wise, obviously, like selling my courses and stuff have, have been huge in that area. So they've had a very big impact there, but they've also had an impact with other things. Like I've been partnering up now, like with other people, I've been doing joint venture webinars and forming relationships with other people in my industry, which has been really cool. So I've found that doing the webinars and doing video have been opening up other opportunities And it's, I, they're just so cool because people are getting to know me better on another level. So I have people now like, Oh, I feel like I know you. And Oh, I come to all your webinars and I feel like we're friends or things like that. It's just really cool. It's like one thing that is just going to take you kind of, I would say to the next level because you are literally interacting with people live. Like there's blogging and then there's actually interacting with your people live and they're hearing you and they're seeing your voice and stuff like that. So they've been a really, I would say video and webinars for me have been a turning point for the better in the whole thing. Well, you mentioned that they have helped you sell courses and yes, for anyone who's listening who wants to sell more of their products, I would love it, Allison, if you're willing to share kind of like on average, how many courses, how many courses you would sell in a given period of time before you started doing webinars? And then now that you integrated webinars in, do you, do you kind of, <laughs> okay. do you kind of know that stuff? Yeah. Well, a li- yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I tell this story because it's kind of funny, but it shows how big of an impact webinars can have. So like I said, I started doing courses this year. So I created my first course in April. Well, I did a free course in February and then my first course came out in April and or March, I can't remember earlier this year. But so I had an email list, then I think it was about eight or 9000 people back then. And I remember I made the course, I didn't really have too much of a plan as far as like launching went. I just got really excited about creating courses. And so I made the course course was awesome. And I was like, yes, I'm like, it's ready to go out to the world. It's gonna be great. Tons of people are gonna buy it. And so I sent a broadcast out to my entire list, which was pretty big. You know, eight or 9,000 people send a broadcast out. It was like, Hey guys, I just made this new course. It's great. Check it out. Link them to the sales page. And it was literally crickets for like, I mean, it was crickets. I made one sale. <laughs> so technically that launch was one sale, which um, is better than no sales, I, which is definitely better than no sales for sure. But I was like, okay. I was like, if I have a, this big of a list and I made one sale, like something, so I missed a few steps, I think. So. So that was actually a couple of days before my very first webinar was scheduled. And so when I did my first webinar, I was originally not planning on trying to sell anything because that thought just terrified me. But I was like, okay, I should at least mention my course at the end because I just have to, I need to just, I need to mention it. People should know it's out there. So at the end of that very first webinar, I mentioned my course 
And during just the live event, I sold 12, like during that Whoa. like 30 minute. And so that was over 2000 because it was like a hundred and something. Um, so I made over $2,000 just during the live event portion of the first webinar <laughs> compared with, you know, one sale, just sending out an email. <laughs> That's pretty huge. And yeah, <laughs> do you, for people that learn about webinars from you, are you hearing similar results? I mean, for someone who's going, well, that's great, Allison, but you had 8,000 people on your email list to start with. What if I have 800 or 80 people? Um, Should I do webinars? Yes. I always tell people a resounding yes, because webinars are great for a ton of reasons. And even if you have a tiny list, webinars are one of the best things for actually building your list. So if you're even starting from zero, fine. We all start from zero. But like webinars are going to grow your list faster. And what I always tell people and what I love about webinars is that you can, they just keep working for you. Like there's a ton of things that you can actually do with your webinars to continue growing your list and making money, no matter how small it is. So like when you're done with a webinar, you can use the recording as, for example, a content upgrade on your site, like a valuable content upgrade on your site. That's how I get a lot of my email subscribers is just reusing my webinar recordings. So like even if you had a list of like 10 you could do a webinar, even if no one showed up, which is not going to happen. But if no one, worst case scenario, if no one showed up to your webinar, you A, just got in really good practice. And now you have this really valuable, high value content that you can use as a content upgrade to get more subscribers. And you can always like, there's a million different ways that you can sell your recordings as like standalone or packaged with other people's stuff. So I say, no matter the size of your list, they're only going to benefit you because they're going to grow your list faster. And there's so many ways that you can use them. So when you're hosting a webinar that you said in that first one that you didn't really plan on selling the course, (laughs) Um, but for webinars that you do plan on talking about a course on, or even if someone's like going to do their first webinar and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to try to sell my courses or products, even though I have Five yeah, I could yeah. choose from. Um, I'm. I just want to get a, f- a first webinar under my belt, and I'll do what Allison did and just like mention my course. How do you choose a topic for your webinar and and have it tie into the course without like giving away a chunk of your course content? Yeah. So that's the thing. When I mentioned the course at the end of that first webinar, it was definitely related to the topic of what I was doing the webinar on. So yeah, it's really important to choose. You obviously want the topic to be directly related to whatever it is you might be mentioning at the end. Otherwise, it's not going to make much sense. But I, I, I always tell people... I don't feel like you can give away too much value. I don't feel like I've never worried about giving away too much during my webinar because I feel like, I mean, you don't want the webinar to be the only, the only bad thing about giving away too much value during webinars, you're just going to overwhelm people. And then they leave the webinar feeling like, I don't know what to do, but I don't worry about feeling like I'm giving away too much info in my course. Like I could give away 50 or 70% even. I don't feel scared about it because the more I feel like the more value I'm going to give people during that webinar, the more they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. The more they're going to trust me that I can provide them with stuff and get a feel for what I do. And then they're more likely they are that they're going to want to like take the next step and actually get the rest because they're so, you know, impressed with the stuff I'm giving them for free. And then do you do the same thing on your blog and in your emails? Like, I feel like now I'm just 
asking for my own <laughs> benefit. Um, and maybe other people will have these same questions too. But do you do the same thing on your blog and in, in your emails to your to your list when it's about the webinar? Do you have some kind like do you have a, a system that you use where it's like, okay, I'm going to do two blog posts leading up to the webinar, one after it, all on the same topic, and I have this many emails I send and that kind of thing. What is that? You mean like, you mean blog posts and emails directly related to the webinar? Yeah, I think that especially for someone just getting into webinars to begin with, it feels like, well, now here's even more content I have to create on right. on top of my blogs and my emails that everyone keeps telling me I need to be sending. Do you tie it all together? Do you not worry about that? Do you put a PS in your emails on a totally different topic? Well, how does, how does it work? <laughs> no, well, I, there's, there's actually not a ton of stuff that you have to do. I always encourage people, you don't have to write a blog post leading up to your webinar. Obviously, if you have time and you want to, that's a good way to get signups, but it's not completely necessary. It's not a step that you absolutely have to do, but you definitely have to write emails. I mean, you have to announce it to your list. I usually, so basically when I do a webinar, I send out two emails announcing it to my list and I will give a decent chunk of what it's about. But again, I never try to make my emails too long because then people open the email and get overwhelmed and then they just delete it. So there's actually not a whole lot of extra content that you have to create. I write two intro emails with like a, Hey, this is why it's important. This is what I've learned leading up to what I'm going to be teaching and why you should come and what you're going to walk away with. And then that's basically what I, my frame of content for both of those emails. And then and then other than that, I just send out a couple of reminder emails just to the people who registered. Hey, your webinar is in blank time. Click this link when it's ready. So, and I pre-schedule again, like going back to when I was saying earlier with my Facebook group, when I plan a webinar, I just pre-write and schedule all those emails and convert it. So I'm not writing them throughout the week. I literally sit down for like an hour and write out my broadcasts. I write out my reminder emails, schedule them, and then I don't have to worry about it. Cool. Yeah, batching is like the magic of being of productivity. I mean, really. It is. It's, Mike Verdi was on the show, he's a productivityist, and he talks about doing productivity versus being productivity. <laughs> I like and it. And batching is definitely being productivity. <laughs> It is. It totally is. Batching has changed. It has changed my life. Yeah, for seriously, it does. When I, like, <laughs> if I would challenge everyone to just like take a week and try it, yes. block off time oh on gosh. your schedule and see what it does for your productivity and your overall happiness. And like, yes, I do the same thing with email. I've now developed a system where, unless I'm expecting something urgent or I'm expecting something, I check my email every other day. And I check it in a batch and I respond to everything immediately if I can. And it has saved me so much time rather than checking it constantly throughout the days. It's such a time suck. Yep. It, it really is. And you really aren't missing anything. And people can people can wait. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's, yeah. If it's life or death, then they probably shouldn't be contacting you through email. So Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you, you talked a little bit about the emails you sent to your list. Allison, I am on that list. And you're... Your emails are jam-packed with personality, just like your website. Thank you. (laughs) And I think that that's a a key piece of how people feel like they really know you is that just like uh, if anybody goes to wonderlast.com, they know you instantly. And (laughs) or like at least you feel like they know you, you know? Yeah. And 
a lot of it's in the way that you write and a lot of it is in just like some of the imagery and and bold color choices and and things like that and i would love to to know if that's something that's always come really naturally to you and if if it hasn't how did you hone that how did you start to infuse more personality into your business i think it has been one of those things that's come rather naturally for me um it's it's always been I've always just been a huge believer of being yourself no matter what, no matter what people think. I don't care what how people if people think I'm weird. Like that's kind of always been my mentality. And so when I started my business, my photography business, I is I guess that's kind of where it started. I I knew I needed a way to stand out when I first started that business. And so I when I was designing my website, I was like, well, how can I make it stand out from all the other photographers? And at the time, this was, you know, six years ago, I noticed that like everyone in the area had a certain type of website and they all looked kind of the same. And they not to say that they were boring, but they kind of just nothing stuck out. And so it stemmed from like, okay, I need to, I need to stand out. And so the way that I can stand out is by showing my personality. So that's kind of how I started trying to find ways to sneak more of myself into my website rather than just kind of going off a template. So I was like, I need to have my colors and I need to make sure that people, it sounds like me and I want to like show off my face so that people know who I am. So it's, it's come naturally, but it's, it's also stemmed from, I need to stand out more. And another thing is I was like, I want to attract the right type of, well, now it's the right type of just not brides anymore because I'm not doing wedding photography. But then when I was trying to attract brides and grooms, I wanted to work with a specific type of bride and groom, not just any bride and groom. So I was like, in order to attract them, I need them to know like how I want to attract laid back, fun, whimsical, offbeat people. And so I need to show them that's how I am because that's who I'm going to attract. So does that, I feel like I'm getting derailed. No, that's that's (laughs) totally good. Do you find that people come across you and are like, whoa, wait a second and and almost reach out to you about that like say, yes. you know I, hey yes. could you could you leave out all the jokes in the emails i really just want your your <laughs> webinar info do people respond that way and are you like well too bad no you know what i've never had anyone i'm sure that people will probably think that but my thing is is like i not to sound mean i don't care like there i'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea Uh, you can't please everybody. So I'm just going to be myself and attract the people who identify with me are my, are my tribe. That sounded really corny, but it's true. Like if I were to like hone it down a little bit and not like let it all out, then who would that be benefiting? Like I want people who actually identify with me and my personality and we connect rather than just kind of trying to, trying to please everyone and all of that. But I haven't actually gotten anyone who's been like, turned down the corny. See, and, and that's so good to hear. Because I think, again, that's like where people get fearful of sharing their their real selves is like, oh, nobody's gonna like that. You know, like Tara was Tara Gentili was saying she's like a big Star Trek fan. And she puts that into everything she does. And, uh, and nobody's like, Tara, I don't like Star Trek. So stop doing that. Um, you know, <laughs> No, you know, so um, people don't respond the way that you think that they might. No, it's I think it's so important. And that's why that's a. I, I think it's so important because if you're not yourself, a that's not nearly as much fun because you're probably feeling a little like, oh, I wish I could be myself. But number two, you're not going to be really connecting and attracting 
the people who you should be connecting and attracting because you're not being yourself. Like when you start being yourself in all its glory is when you're really going to start attracting people who identify with you. So yeah, you might not appeal to everyone, but you're never going to appeal to anyone anyway. So you might as well appeal to a smaller group of people more than trying to just be like ho-hum with everyone. Yeah. So you've always been yourself and that extends back into your wedding business, your photography business. But it's clear that your messaging has changed from, you know, people who might have been on your email list two years ago to to today. Yeah. So yes. have you found that people have left your list? How have you transitioned that that messaging over time and and still kept it true to you and what you want to be doing? Well, to be honest, two years ago, I did have a list, but I ignored it. So <laughs> so I think I started my list technically three years ago, but I I basically, I got it. I, then I started with MailChimp. So I signed on with MailChimp and then I pretty much just ignored it for two years. Like I didn't send any, I, th- I think I maybe sent one newsletter over the course of a year and I was really overwhelmed with the whole idea of like list building and growing your email list. And I just kind of ignored it. So I, I tell people, I literally up until just over a year ago had 28 subscribers and it took me almost two years to get there because I didn't do anything. Like I literally didn't do anything. And so I didn't start sending newsletters regularly until maybe like last fall or whenever it was, I started taking it like, okay, I need to actually pay attention to my email list. It's important. And these people have given me their email address. I can't just like drop the ball on them. So, so I didn't actually start nurturing it until probably a little less than a year ago. So by then I was already focused on blogging and business. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so you didn't really have a message switch or those 28 <laughs> no, people. There were... just was no message yeah. <laughs> before then. <laughs> no, that's good. And I think that happens for so many people. We hear it a lot at ConvertKit that like, oh, I have a list, but it, I haven't talked to them in years. Or so, yes. you know, what do I do with it? And to just, you know, start with that that consistency piece that everybody talks about. Yes. Um, yes. That's so crucial. Very important. <laughs> what was it that told you that email was important? Was it a mentor or just, you know, like kind of how you said everyone was talking about video, so you started to explore it? Was it that you just kept hearing more and more about email? What, what well, piqued your curiosity about it? So I actually did the B-School, that Marie Forleo's B-School, And that was back in, I think, 2013. And I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, I mean, for me, it was a big investment. It was around $2,000 and it was six modules. And one of the six modules was solely about list building and how important it was. And so I knew back. So when I knew from taking that program that it was important, so I knew about three years ago it was important, but I still chose to ignore it because I was it was unknown to me. It was foreign. I didn't know what, how to do it. Even though I took the program, I still was just like freaked out by it. So I knew it was important deep down for that two-year period that I was ignoring it. I just kept thinking, well, maybe, uh, maybe I, I don't need one. The rest of the world need one, needs one, but I don't. And so finally, so I knew it was important for a long time, ignored it. And then finally, when I made it a point in January 2015 to take the whole thing seriously, like when I knew I wanted to transition out of weddings and just be solely based online, I was like that. I was like, okay, it's extra important for me now because I'm not booking. I'm not, it's not the same business model. I, if it's an online business, I definitely need an email list. And so that's when I was like, I need to, 
I need to get my you know what together and just get over all the question marks and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's I hear that so often that, you know, we for we'll know for a long time something's really important and you just have to actually take action on it. So, yes, you just got to do it. Yeah. Uh, What now that you you have this reach that you you've achieved over the course of a year, basically, and you have a pretty broad reach at this point. What do you want to do with that reach? Is there what's next for for Wonderlass and for you? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, you know what? I I just I my biggest goal is just, and this is why I started doing courses. And I know what this is the reason a lot of people start doing online courses is because you know I had worked with a couple people one on one. But you just can't, you can't reach very many people if you're working one-on-one. So my goal is like, I want to try and help as many people as possible, which is why I started doing online courses because I can reach an infinite amount with one course. And so right now my goal is just to, and I'm sure, you know, I'll adjust, but I, at this point, I just want to keep helping and inspiring as many people as I can and continue to reach around the world. Um, No, but I just, I, I love I love what I'm doing right now. So if I can keep helping people and inspiring people and creating things, I mean, I love it. And so <laughs> that's that's really that's not really a solid plan, but it's just to keep moving forward. And you know, things always change. I find like I could plan something out right now, but who knows what's going to happen in the next year. Like this time last year, I never thought I'd be doing webinars. And then I just made a course on webinars. Like, (laughs) you know, like you never Never say never. Yeah, exactly. Never say never. (laughs) So what is the number one tip that you would give new bloggers who want to expand their reach the way that you have? Mm, Let's see. There's so many tips. It's hard to narrow it down to just one. Okay, so something something that I did that has been really important. So when last year in January, when I sat down with myself and was like, this is what I'm going to do. The thing that I did first was just develop the mindset of treat your blog like a business and it will become one. Like that kind of just changed my whole everything. So that would be that would probably be my biggest tip is to treat your blog like a business. So for me, that included making a business plan for my blog and committing to it every day and moving forward with it every day and taking baby steps towards it every single day, even when you're not inspired, even when you're frustrated, even when you're feeling burnt out, like just a small step every single day. And I tell people this a lot. And I feel like people, especially people starting out, they, you know, there's the whole comparison thing where they're like, well, oh, I don't have any followers or I have a tiny list. I'm like, we all start from there. You can't compare yourself. Like that was me too. And a lot of people don't realize like I worked for months without making any money at first. I wasn't making any money, but I was still showing up every day. Like it was my full-time job. So that was, that's my tip. Treat your, treat your blog like a business and it will become one because then everything starts to kind of fall in under that. Yeah. That's that dress for the job you want, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's true. And it, and, and it can be, you know, it's scary, but it's exciting. Someone, someone told me, and I know I'm just spewing off the quotes left and right. But I was telling someone a couple weeks ago, I was like, yeah, you know, it's been a really scary year in a good way. But then they were like, well, 
I don't remember the original quote or it's like a well-known quote, but something about how if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough or something like that. And I think that's true. Like you, you should feel a little bit of like, oh, you know, like that is stepping out of your comfort zone. Like things don't all happen in your little bubble. You have to like step out of it and keep going. <laughs> and it's amazing how we've just circled back to those tips you gave at the beginning of how to deal oh, with yeah. that fear and, you know, yes. going through that worst case scenario and all of that even if you have to do it every single day that's yes. that's what you have to do to treat your blog like a business and keep going yep yep we all i can i i even like the quote successful people and really successful people like they all i'm sure experience those feelings like everyone has them like it's just the thing that most people let those feelings stop them so it's the people who succeed are the people who show up and are like you know what i'm not gonna let you stop me i'm gonna just keep going <laughs> well i'm glad that you didn't let it stop you and i can't wait for you to keep going and see what you do in the years to come so thanks for being on the show allison i'm yeah. really glad you were here great all right cool (laughs) we'll talk to you later (laughs) bye (laughs) that was allison marshall of wonderlass you can find out more about allison and her fun and informative webinars at wonderlass.com grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player it's time to expand your reach We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.